Hi, friends, and welcome to 24 Karat Conversations. I'm your host, Rhonda Velez. Let's be real. Testing and trials are never fun. But what I have found is that we aren't alone in those seasons. My favorite Bible verse is Job 23.10. For when he has tested me, I will emerge as pure gold. We're going to share some amazing stories of people who have endured and emerged as pure gold in the midst of hard circumstances. We're going to laugh, probably cry, and get super transparent about life and the struggles we endure. So sit back, relax. It's about to get real. Hello, 24 Karat Tribe. Welcome back. I am really excited today because I, you know, you guys all know that I find people on social media and I find them super interesting. And so then I just reach out and say, will you be on my podcast? And so Allie Flynn is one of them. I asked her to come on here because a couple weeks ago, I was sitting with a friend who I've known for years and her daughter has been being bullied. And I was looking for a resource or somebody who could kind of talk a little bit about that. But Allie's great because she's had, she has four daughters and you know, they're all over 18. I'm correct. Right. All over 18. And she's kind of two, two, six-year-olds. Did you say that? Okay. Oh my goodness. Oh, 16. I was like six-year-olds. Wow. (laughs) You really got that span. (laughs) 16. So they're almost 18 though, but you're kind of in the middle of all of this. And we were kind of chatting before. So Allie, first off, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being on. Uh, Thank you so much for reaching out to me. I love the idea of coming on here and chatting with you. And I feel so honored. Yeah. And you know, 24 karat is kind of one of those things where I feel like we're just having a cup of coffee and chatting. And so that's pretty much what the conversation is going to be like today, friends. So I wanted to kind of talk to Allie just a little bit about her background of raising girls. I feel like sometimes I I get a little further removed from it as your kids get older. And with me having a 19 and 25 year old, um, and my 19 year old, if we're being honest, like only went to school a year and a half in high school because of COVID. So (laughs) it was kind of like, I didn't have to experience all of those things, but my heart just felt so bad for my friend whose daughter is going through this because, you know, it not only impacts the child, but as a mom, you want to protect your kid, but then you also have to let them like fight some of their own battles. You know, you can't be in like rescuing them every time. So I kind of went like wanted to get a little bit of history on you. Like what have you found is the hardest thing about raising teens and have you experienced bullying with them? Yeah. You know, for me, raising the girls, I have four girls in three and a half years. So at one point they were all in high school at the same time. And you would think that that would be easy, but you're at all these different places within the high school sort of, you know, structure and hierarchy. But I am fortunate to be able to say that really none of my girls I ever felt were really severely bullied or even bullied to a level that it impacted them and their mental health. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I feel really blessed for that because I have a lot of friends whose girls are being bullied. Um, so with that aside, for me personally, raising four girls, I think the hardest is sort of the, um, the push and the pull and the letting go and giving Mm -hmm. them that space while wanting to hold on to them. And, um, you know, just offering them that time to become themselves and evolve and, and become who they're meant to be and not necessarily who I always see them becoming and the path that I think maybe they should follow. So that's sort of, for me, the hardest part of, of raising girls. Um, 
But then for me, sitting on the outside as mom looking in, it is so hard watching them navigate friendships. Mm-hmm. And yeah, now- friendships are hard. They're just hard. I mean, I think friendships with women are hard in general, but yes. teen girls, like for some reason, like that movie Mean Girls is like real, <laughs> you know? And that's what I was going to say. You know, the mean girl culture still exists. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, I think it's getting even worse. Um, so looking into that world that they live in, that oftentimes the girls can be mean. And even if my girls aren't necessarily a part of it and they share stories with me of what they have seen on the outside, mm-hmm. you know, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, It breaks my heart that anybody has to deal with this and anyone has to deal with bullying. And you just can't potentially go to school feeling confident some days. Yeah. And I think parents, I I will say that I feel like sometimes parents are guilty of kind of egging that on, like without really realizing, like just by saying things about other girls, you know, maybe their weight or the way they look or whatever, you know, they may not be able to afford the best clothing items, you know? And so it becomes this like, I don't know, like this challenge, not only with the, the girls at school, but then the parents feel this need to like one up. Um, and I do remember seeing that, like, I do remember seeing parents like be like, well, I'm going to buy my kid, you know, a brand new car. And then the other parents like, well, I'm going to buy my kid. It's like this competition thing that is so ridiculous. Exactly. Yeah. I see it all the time, you know, and I hear it. And I think, you know, we are the strongest role models for our kids. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So if I'm sitting in my kitchen and at my table and I am trash talking other mothers or I am trash talking, even I have heard mothers trash talk other teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, the trickle down effect is going to be then those kids go to school. And what are they doing? They're mm-hmm. not talking kindly about those kids. They're trash talking them. Yeah. So and then it that is then I think what stems into the bullying. Right. Yeah. Because you're, it's just this vicious cycle that you're getting involved in. But yeah, I mean, I see it even in, in the adults, like what you're saying, you know, that the adults, it's sort of, you know, the old phrase, keeping up with the Joneses. Yes. But yes. I think it's become even more profound. Mm-hmm. And it's more out there and more in your face where like when our parents were raising us, it was the keeping up with the Joneses, but it was just really who you saw in right. person face to face. Mm-hmm. But now it's keeping up with the Joneses and what are you putting on your social media accounts? And, and half the time it's like, you're using it as your soapbox, but it's not even maybe the truth. Right. And I think too, you know, social media has played a big, like I, we were talking about this before is I've met so many amazing people on social media. So even though so many people have had bad experiences with social media, I've had wonderful experiences Um, Because I've chosen to allow the people who are on my feed to be ones uh, like a a positive nature. And if I feel like something's getting a little twisted or somebody's just really negative, sometimes I'll just hide them because it's just not, to me, it's mentally not worth it for me, but our kids aren't really in that space, Mm -hmm. headspace to do it. They're not mature enough to be like, Hey, like, I still really like this person, but you know, they're just so politically charged, I can't handle it, or they're just so, you know, negative, I can't deal with it. And so I think that becomes, you know, something where, you know, you look at these girls, we were just talking about this, you look at these girls, and I'm like, I swear, I did not look like that when I was 16. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, my makeup did not look like that. I'm pretty sure I blew eyeshadow. And I'm not sure if that was the trend. And 
I never, we did not have filters. So there was no filtering <laughs> what we look like. <laughs> you know, going back to the social media part, like that's the beauty of being an adult, right? Yeah. That like we can decipher what is toxic, what is good for our mental health, who is enhancing our social media world and who is actually just bringing us down. Mm-hmm. And as adults, we're able to be confident enough to say, I'm going to block you. I'm not going to follow you. I'm going to keep scrolling by. Mm-hmm. But like our teenagers just get like sucked into it because they also don't know sometimes how to differentiate between what is toxic and what isn't yeah but then also it's a situation of like for you and I we probably couldn't care less if someone realized that we blocked them yeah but in a teenager's world that could be the demise of their social life if someone right Right. so I think there's just so many elements to it that like even our generation doesn't fully understand, right? Like yeah. this is all new to me. Yeah. So, and it's new to them. And they're trying to figure it out on their own with the support that we can provide as parents, but it is still new to us as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we're trying to navigate it through. And I, I do think, you know, you do see other kids that look like they're living this incredible life and you feel insecure about it. And so I think too, when a lot of the bullying stems around the insecurity because they could be the most beautiful kid with the best car. But when you're bullying someone, there obviously is something deeper rooted in that where I feel like I have to slam that person so that I feel better than someone else. Yeah. And I feel like if kids, right. There's yeah. always a why. And that I often say that to my kids, they'll come home and, you know, just sort of share a story about somebody. And I would say, but why, why mm. do you think they're behaving that way? Right. That's a good question. Deeper into it. Yeah. Right. It's not just that they're bullying. It's not just that they're being obnoxious and that yes, has to get taken care of. Mm-hmm. But what is their more emotional purpose behind it? Mm-hmm. And that's where I think the parents of the kids who are the bulliers mm-hmm. be really on high alert. If they do know that their child is sort of that person, mm-hmm. they need to work with them to figure out the tools and the skills to get them to, you know, be more confident in themselves and, and have a more positive outlook to then mm-hmm. pass it on to other people. Yeah. So and I think too, parents, your parents don't know their kids are necessarily the bullies. Exactly. Exactly. And I think for parents too, it means you have to be, um, you know, retrospective and like, I don't think my kid's doing the right thing right now. And being able to like, I think a lot of parents, get to the point, well, my kid would never do that. My kid's perfect. My kid, I mean, I would call my kids out all the time. I was like, you guys, that's not nice. Like you need to, like, you can't do that. Um, And I think parents have a hard time doing that. I don't know why they have a hard time calling their kid out. Yeah. I'm similar to you. If I see sort of this trend or even a one-time situation where, you know, let's just say with my daughters, maybe not inviting one girl, but they've invited three, but they're all in the same friend group. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, oh, where are you going out with tonight? Oh, we're going out with so-and-so and so Oh, well, where's so-and-so? Oh, we didn't invite, why? Mm-hmm. Don't you think they'll hurt her feelings? Imagine how you would feel. Mm-hmm. What would that do to you if you, because you know everyone's posting on Snapchat and social media. How would you feel? And mm-hmm. I feel like it's so important to call them out on it. Yeah. Because it's the only way they're going to learn. Mm-hmm. And I would say nine times out of 10, you know what happens? My kids go upstairs and they reach out to that other girl. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, like, I just had an incident where like my daughter got her feelings hurt by one of her friends who's really, really super close friend. 
And I just told her, I said, you know, she's 19. So I was like, you know, reach out to her and just tell her like, Hey, my feelings were really hurt when you did this. And, you know, and, and the friend immediately felt bad. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Um, So a good friend will do that. I think in the situation when they're in between like middle school and high school, those are like the hardest years because everyone's trying to figure out their identity. Right. And I think with kids, like they don't understand that they're like, they're being mean. And so they don't have the school, the skills or the, you know, the mechanisms to actually ask the right questions. Um, And I also don't think parents should get involved in like so deep, unless there's like a a danger situation. I think sometimes you have to let them work that out. I agree. You do have to let them work it out as well as just being not helicoptering at all, but being Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that goes for, so I was a teacher, a middle school teacher prior to my life with my four kids. Um, I have seen it happen year after year, right? It's the same common denominator. Mm -hmm. Teachers as well as well as parents, I think have to be in tune. And it doesn't mean resolving the entire issue, like what you're saying, they Mm -hmm. do have to learn and figure things out on their own, right? Because that's the goal that we have for them once they're adults is that they aren't just leaning on their parents for everything. Yeah. But I feel like for bullying in school and outside of school, I feel like it has to be as joint effort. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I, I, I'm sort of working through this with one of my very close friends. Her daughter has been getting bullied this entire school year. Mm-hmm. It is heartbreaking to see. She's 12 years old. She's in seventh grade. And there have been a lot of times I have said to her, well, what, what are the teachers doing? If this took place in the classroom, what's happening? And I think that's where parents, if you have a child who's getting bullied, you have to be transparent with the teachers if they're not aware. Yeah. And you have to ask for that help and ask for that support because you're not there for that seven, eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you have to, I always had what I call the open door policy at home, um, which I think worked really well for me with my girls was like, you can talk to me about anything. And sometimes like I had one kid that I would ask her, how was your day at school? And she'd be like, great, good. Like it was always good. Um, my other one, she would get in the car and she would literally download everything that happened the whole entire day. Now, the other one that said good, sometimes it was just a matter of her processing it. Mm-hmm. And then later she would tell me, oh, you know, this happened or that happened. Um, but I think you have to kind of navigate like what kind of personality your kid has and then ask like those probing questions without Absolutely. sounding like I'm being nosy, you know? I mean, oh my goodness. I even have identical twin girls, identical <laughs> twins, and they deal with the school day completely differently. Like yeah. similar to your daughters, one gets in the car, wants to unpack everything, but like rambling, tells me everything won't stop until the whole day is done. And then yeah. the other one, good, goes upstairs. Uh-huh. But then a few hours later, like you're saying, after like sort of processing through it and diluting sort of what's important to talk about, then she'll come down and tell me sort of the, you know, the most important situations. Right. But right. It's, um, yeah, it's knowing your kid, knowing how to sort of get the information from them, mm-hmm. as well as offering them that, that openness to listen without the judgment. Right. And encouraging them that, you know, and letting them know that like this comes, bullying comes from a space of a child who can't 
process their emotions and, you know, their insecurities. And that's harder when they're little because they don't understand. I mean, I was just talking to a group of girls last night. I was, I mean, it's funny now, but now that I think about it, I'm like, it was horrible. My daughter, when she was like, I think she was in like fourth grade, this little girl walks into the bathroom and my daughter's washing her hands. And the little, she looks over at the little girl and the little girl literally slapped her across the face um, like just for no reason. And my daughter was like stunned, ended up in the office. You know, the school calls me, the whole thing goes down and the girl just, I don't know. She just had this issue with wanting to slap kids in the face. And my daughter wasn't the only one. And so, you know, I had to sit down with her and talk with her. Like if that happens again, you make sure you tell a teacher, you know, make sure that you're that you're not scared to say what's happening to you. Because I think so much of trauma with a child happens when they don't say something. And, you know, you don't want them to not feel like they can talk to you. Yeah, I think sometimes with the bullying aspect, a lot of the teenagers and tweens who are getting bullied, I think they hold it inside because Mm -hmm. they're so embarrassed and they're mortified that it's happening. In their mind, they're mortified. They're thinking they allow it to happen or they're but you know as the adults we fully understand that that's not the situation but then Mm -hmm. that's where you see the decline right in their mental Mm -hmm. health they're pushing it down and pushing it down and pushing it down not ever reaching out for the support and then all of a sudden sometimes for a parent something it's just a cherry on top it implodes and you had no idea right now you have to go backtrack so much to try to lift them back up and encourage them and support them, mm-hmm. right? And give them that reassurance that they've been lacking. Mm-hmm. So it's so tricky. And it just is, I think for a parent of tweens and teens, it's just, again, not helicopter parenting by mm-hmm. any form, but being on the alert, knowing what's going on in your kid's life. Like you had mentioned before, like asking those tough questions, asking the open-ended questions and leaving that communication open because all we want to do is support them through the good, bad, through the bullying, through all of it. And being curious as to what they, you know, just asking the curious questions that don't seem to push them over the edge where they're like, I don't want to talk about it anymore because that's happened to me on more than one occasion where I pushed so hard. Then they're like, I'm not telling you anything. Yeah. Sometimes it's finding those areas where you can ask those questions Mm -hmm. like for me I can always ask those questions in the car and I don't get pushback in the car but if I ask them in my kitchen yeah push back and they'd walk away upstairs but in the car I'm not trapping them but for some reason they open up so much more in the car I agree I will tell you when my kids stop needing me to drive them to school that's when I had to be more curious with questions because I feel like when you drop them off and pick them up from school, there's a lot of conversation that happens because you're just sitting in the car. Um, And I still find that like when I get in the car with my 19 year old, sometimes she'll tell me stuff that I've been home with her all day and she won't say to me until we're in the car alone together. So I think it's like, it's like this little safe space, Mm -hmm. right. Of like, just transparency and you could just share it's like the secret space of Mm -hmm. sharing I love it like even my daughter last night she had to go get glitter for something for a pep rally whatever and she was like okay I'm gonna go CVS but we really she drives now and we don't have that after school time and you know she's a junior so she is just like up to her eyeballs and you know all her classes and getting things ready for college and 
Um, and I was like, okay, do you want company? Because in my mind, let me get in that car with you mm-hmm. just to drive 10 minutes to CVS to get glitter glue. Yeah. Because then that's our connection. And that's the time that maybe you're going to open up and share something that's going on. And yeah. oftentimes it, it tends to be big stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no. And I, I used to like find times when I would take each of them separately to do things like it might be a pedicure. It might just be like, I knew one girl was going to be somewhere else and the other was going to be with me and we'd go just grab lunch, just the two of us. And I think you have to be really intentional during those tween and teen years, not to ignore that. And like we said, not to get super overly involved with their life because they have to learn to fight those battles on their own. Yeah. Because they're not going to have you when they get into an office space and the off, the manager makes them mad. And then, right. you know, it's like, well, what do you think you should do? Should you talk to them? How, how do you think you should go about this? So as they get older, like giving them those skills to be able to like fight those battles on their own. Um, I agree. In the fine balance. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I feel like we're a generation of helicopter parents. I think just because, you know, we can track them. We, see their social media. Like, it's kind of like these, our parents didn't have that. Like we were outside till the lights came on and they were right. like, I think they're okay. I don't know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But, I mean, it is, so it's hard for parents now, right? Because we were the generation. My mother used to bring a cowbell to come home yeah. for dinner. Right. And then like, you just had to come in for, then you'd leave after dinner, but you had to yeah. come home right when it turned dark. Right. And sometimes we even stayed out in the dark like mm-hmm. manhunt, rode our bikes, whatever. But now I think it is hard for us because we were that generation, but we are offered as parents these tools to just constantly watch our kids. Mm-hmm. Now, I am one who doesn't really buy into the tools. Mm-hmm. Um, I want my kids to make mistakes and learn from them. And I want mm-hmm. them to you know, have their own, their time away from me without me knowing every single step. Right. But I think it's for each parent, it's what they're comfortable with. But I think you're right. You know, it's finding the balance and realizing like, how much do we need to know with what is helpful for us to know? Yeah. Because, you know, we both have kids in college. Mm -hmm. My girls call me all the time and share things with me, but I'm Mm -hmm. not unrealistic to know they're not sharing every single element of college. Exactly. And I feel so blessed that by having the open communication and, and sort of sharing with them the skills of when they're in a situation with a friend or something going on bullying, or they're unhappy with a professor or with a grade, it's teaching them the skills of standing up for themselves. How can they navigate the situation? And sort of, you know, like they hear our voices in the back burner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and like, hey, wait, this is what I need to do. And that to me is the end goal with parenting. You know, we're always going to be parenting, even when our kids are 50 and 60 years old. Yeah. But the end goal is that they know how to take care of themselves emotionally. Yeah. In the circumstances that sometimes they're placed in. And I'm a huge proponent of like therapy as well. Like, I feel like if your child is being severely bullied, getting um, a therapist involved to where the damage isn't going to be so great that, you know. 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, it's affecting them because I study a lot of childhood trauma and story work. And, and I mean, I, I have a fifth grade story that I didn't realize was still impacting me, you know, 40 years later. And it's kind of like, 
therapy now, especially after COVID, it's more acceptable. I think like when we were younger, therapy was something like, mm-hmm. oh, she's crazy. Like she, you know, can't handle her emotions. But now I think getting your child the help that they need, whatever resources they need, because it maybe they can't, maybe they don't feel like they can talk to you. So right. maybe they need to talk to somebody else yeah. who will help them navigate that hard stuff. The transition of the view of therapy mm-hmm. makes me so happy. I have always been someone who really promoted therapy. Um, I feel like, especially for the teenagers, we think that our kids are talking to us, but a lot of times we, again, we don't know everything. Mm-hmm. And like, even with, especially the kids who are being bullied, if they are harboring everything internally, they need that support. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is a process and it's, they are now filled with all these toxic thoughts about themselves mm-hmm. that they need to let out. They need to work through. They need to find the skills of how to approach the bullier or what to do and how to keep living the rest of their life in a happy yeah. way. Mm-hmm. And like you're saying, you know, this fifth grade trauma, you didn't even have any idea that it was still, you're still carrying it around like mm-hmm. a U-Haul truck, right? Yeah. But it still impacts you because it wasn't dealt with. So it, it really, I, I think it's so important whether your child is getting bullied, not getting bullied. I think there's just so much that all of these teenagers are dealing with, you know, prior to hopping on here, right? We were talking about social media. Yeah. You know, I, I had said to you, there's no way I would want to be a teenager right now. Yeah. In this so world hard. of social media. I thought it was hard enough when I just found out what happened on a Monday morning when I walked mm-hmm. into school. Yeah. So, you know, and my only comparison with people were the people who are literally standing right in front of me. And now our kids, they're Mm -hmm. exposed to so many different filters and facets of life and things that maybe at certain ages, they shouldn't even be exposed to yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want you to tell our community what you do and give the information about you because this was just so helpful. And I know that so many parents could use your resources. So tell us a little bit about that. Oh, thank you. So I am the creator of Hang In There Mama. <laughs> I love that. I love, I love that handle. Love it. Thank <laughs> you. You know what? Honestly, it sort of came about because when people used to say to me when my kids were younger, oh, how are you doing? My answer, I didn't want to say yes and make it seem as if everything was perfect because I was pulling my hair out sometimes, but I didn't want to say no and make it seem like everything's doom and gloom. So I always responded with, oh, I'm hanging in there. <laughs> so then when I started creating my pages, I was like, you know what? That's what it is. It's hanging there, mama. Like that's yeah. all we can do is hang yeah. in there. Yeah. So I'm the creator of hanging there, mama. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram. I also have a website called Hang in There Mama. And, you know, my goal is really I offer support and encouragement for moms who are raising tweens, teens, college kids, um, you know, and just sort of keeping it real that being a mom is really hard. It can be really brutal, but there are also so many like beautiful elements to it. And I focus a lot on teens because when I started it, all of my children were teenagers. I also chose to go into a profession where I taught teenagers and I feel like teens have a really bad reputation. Yeah. And they're really some of the most astounding creatures ever, you know, but I think sometimes when 
our kids are becoming teens, parents shy away from them. They think, oh, they don't want me to be in their life. I can't do this anymore with them. And I really try to encourage parents and remind them, no, your kids really, they need you. Mm -hmm. Don't give up on them. Yeah. Right? Especially they, they need you more than ever. I feel like need they need you more, more when they were babies, you know? <laughs> so it's the encouragement, the support. It's the the understanding that like you are not alone on those really, really hard days, but also recognizing the gifts that your teenagers can can bring to you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, it was such a pleasure talking to you today. And thank you so much for giving us some perspective on bullying and just being a parent and yeah, hang in there, mama, because I get it. Like some days I was like, I am the worst mom in the world. And one of my friends told me, Rhonda, you're only going to get about 50% right anyway. So hang in there. You know, exactly. Yeah. So you're doing a great job. Don't yes. Yourself. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You're doing a great job out there, parents. So 24 Carat Tribe, thank you so much for joining us today. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. I will have all of Allie's information in the show notes. And until next time, sparkle on. Bye.